KMOJ, Minneapolis, St. Paul, bringing unity to the community. 89.9 KMOJ, the People's Station. FM 89.9 KMOJ. We are the People's Station. Good morning welcome to the program, The African Roots Connection. My name is Charles Dennis, as always, your host on the program. We do have Al Jerome coming up in a few uh, to give you headlines of stories uh, making news in Africa this morning. He will be back at 9.30, at which time he'll bring you details on those stories. And, of course, uh, we are here every Saturday from 9 to 10. And we also stream live on World Wide Web, so www.kmojfm.com. Don't forget to connect with us there. So the African Risk Connection program runs from 9 to 10, at uh, which time uh, Raz Jerry will be here to bring you some Calypso, Roots Reggae, Soca, and what have you. And uh, the Cool Running Tropical Vibrations program runs from 9 I beg your pardon, from 10 uh, to noon, at which time uh, DJ Divine will be here live with Hip Hop Classic. Yeah, now it's Al Jerome with uh, news headlines. Good morning, Al. Story today, South Africa's African National Congress youth leader, Julius Malema, has lost an appeal against a decision by South Africa's ruling party to suspend him. In Kaduna, Nigeria, a man in military uniform has blown himself up outside an army barracks. A group of Chinese workers kidnapped by rebels in Sudan has been freed and flown to Kenya. In Liberia, former warlord George Bole is to be deported from the United States over his role in the country's civil war in the 1990s and in Uganda, the government has defended its rights to debate an anti-gay bill, but it says the draft legislation does not have an official backing. I'm back with details at the bottom of the hour.
The sound black and calmly. This is FM 89.9 KMOJ. We are the People's Station. And today, my guest on the program is uh, Speedway Pierce. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You're How very are you well. Good production. Um, it's great to have you on the program. I mean, I know we have a lot to talk about. We've talked about being on for so long, you being my guest, and finally it's happening, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Happened. And one of the reasons why actually uh, uh speak was on my program this morning because uh you have um an, an online show, right? Like yes, a blog show. Okay. Tell us a little bit about it. It is called the Speedway Show. Uh-huh. And the objective is to serve as an idea exchange. Uh-huh. Empowering people to live well, live fully and love deeply by improving the quality of our personal, professional and spiritual relationships. Wow. Okay, but um, let's let's talk about because I'm from Africa. Yes. Let's talk about homeland for a little bit. You are from the country of the beautiful Victoria Falls. Yes, I am. I'm from Zimbabwe, born and raised. The home of the great Robert Mugabe. <laughs> well, <laughs> some people think he's great. I know. I know. I know. Um, but you know, it, it, I was telling you before the show. Quite interestingly, I grew up hearing the name Robert Mugabe. I've got a 13 year old. He's still hearing. Robert Mugabe. Yes, he is. Uh, let's see. He has been, our president has been in power since 1980. Wow. 
Um, and uh, I remember him saying that he was not going to leave until God himself <laughs> took him out of power. So we are waiting. Okay, and, and, I, and I'm sure Native uh, 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 would think it's time that, you know, we have a little change in at the top, right? Well, sure. It's been know, long enough. Originally, we had elections every five years. Mm-hmm. And then they were pushed to every six years. And um, if you listen to the third parties who have come in to observe the fairness of the elections, they would tell you that um, there have been elections that he lost, mm-hmm. and uh, still he's in power. So, coming to the United States from uh, Zimbabwe, how was it like? What, what, what did you find the most surprising element when you got here? You know, when I came here, I was 17. 17. And I came for college. And I went to a small liberal arts school called Defiance College in Defiance, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And probably the first thing I found really surprising, because I'm from Harare, and Harare is the capital city of Zimbabwe. So it's a large city. If you go downtown, it probably looks, the skyline looks a little bit like downtown Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. So I get to Defiance College, and (laughs) it's a small town. And uh, I looked up the street, and there was... uh, there was an Ames, and uh, J.C. Penney, I think, might have been there then, and mm-hmm. there was a Pizza Hut. And I looked down the other side, and downtown Defiance had a couple of traffic lights. And I was not <laughs> expecting a city in the United States to be so small. Mm-hmm. And uh, there wasn't a lot to do in Defiance. It was very safe, very nice people. And it was the place that my parents thought would be a good place for me to get acclimated mm-hmm. into a new uh, culture, culture and a new country, and they were right at age 17. I was very naive. But as for me, I'm like, where's the party at? And uh, <laughs> there was no party to be had. So that was that was disappointing. Uh-huh. Um, so w- what did you like the most within, within you know, the few, few weeks or few months of being here? Oh, the freedom. The freedom. <laughs> the freedom. Because, you know, coming, being away from, really away from home uh-huh. for the first time in a long time. I was in boarding school when I was in, I think I was about nine. And um, I was in boarding school in high school, but being 10,800 miles away from home, I was free. And so I would go out with my friends and I'd think, oh, I have to be home. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be home. And, uh, or I'd think, well, I want to go out on Saturday night. Maybe I should call my dad. Oh, wait a minute. I don't need permission. That was nice. Uh-huh. I think I enjoyed that freedom for about the first year before I was ever homesick. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I had a guest on my program, and we talked about um, African parents being so protective of the young ones here in the United States. And some, to the parents' defense, one of them said, uh, we don't want our kids to lose their culture. Yes. Was that any concern of your parents having you to be here by yourself while they were back home, that you would lose your culture? No, they were not concerned, but I think it was because both of them had been educated here. Mm -hmm. So my dad started at Defiance College, and then he transferred to Columbia. And so he graduated from Columbia. My mother came, and she was at, I think it was Westchester State College. And so they had lived here for, I think they lived here for at least 13 years before they went back home. And so they they knew what it was like here, and they knew the temptations and the evils that could befall, you know, a young person in the United States. Mm 
mm-hmm. which is part of the reason why I ended up in defiance. And um, we didn't talk a lot about that. And I, I, I like to think it was also because they raised me in such a way that by the time I was 17, I was who I was going to be. And um, I don't think they had a lot of concern about me losing my culture at that point. <laughs> now, so is there is there a large uh, uh, Zimbabwean population in uh, in Minnesota? No. There is, um, I have met a few Zimbabweans, mm-hmm. but not many. And uh, I've met more, there, there's a larger, in fact, there's a larger Liberian population, right. and there's a larger Nigerian population. And I think our largest African population is of Somalis, yeah. because Minnesota was one of the places that opened its doors to the Somali refugees. Mm-hmm. But um, Zimbabweans, I have not found very many. Mm-hmm. So, um, if, in case anyone's wondering why is she on this program, I, I, I just have to say that uh, I'm very impressed with your your performance in America so far. You know, you were uh, I think 2009 super lawyer, one of the best lawyers in Minnesota. Uh, thank you. You know, yes. I, I was I was reading a little bit about you, and, and it was very impressive. I mean, you know, we come here, most of us from Africa, and our agenda changes once we get here. Our agenda goes the other way, and we, we we try to live day by day. Yes. And then we let the wind depict our direction versus come here and keep steady and say, this is why I came here. Well, you know, my father has, uh, well, he's late now, but my father was very, very strong on education and professionalism. Mm-hmm. So he had, by the time he left Columbia, he had four degrees. And I think he had two bachelors, a master's, and a Ph.D. And one of my goals was to be the first female Dr. Moyana in our family because my dad was a Ph.D., my uncle, who was the governor of the Reserve Bank at one point, was a Ph.D., his brother was a Ph.D., and so I'm surrounded by men who really valued education and worked very hard. So I grew up watching my father and my mother, and they worked very hard. So that's just what I knew. Mm -hmm. So when I got here, it was just a given that that's what I was going to do. I was going to get an education. I was going to work hard for the rest of my life because that's what Moyanas did. Mm -hmm. And um, so this is the result of of all of that work. And and actually, the, the super lawyers, I was a Minnesota rising star. Mm-hmm. which is the designation for lawyers. I think it's lawyers under 40. I was under 40 at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were under 20 at the time, and now, you, no. now you're, under, you're under 25. Huh? <laughs> oh, no, I'm over 40 now. <laughs> but, but again, that's that's impressive, especially given the minority population in Minnesota. Okay? It will, yeah. you know, it's, it's predominantly, you know, what it is. And for you to, to achieve such a, a status, I, I was very impressed. And then um, uh, your blog show that you have, uh, the Speedway Show. Yes. And um, what are some of the topics you talk about? I don't know now you're talking about this, um, uh, what, live well? Live well, live fully, and love deeply. So the idea is how do we as human beings live better? How do we Live in a way that, you know, my, my personal mantra is, live a life of no regret. Mm-hmm. And if I had to die today, because you never, you never know the day, right. would I say, if God came for me right now, would I say, wait a minute, I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. I haven't told my children I love them. I haven't treated people with respect. How do you live a life of no regret? And that's really the goal of the show. 
everybody has experiences. And if we get together and we talk about and exchange those experiences, Mm -hmm. we can add to each other ideas that will help us do that. So some of the topics, we do spiritual, we do professional, we do uh, personal. And so on the personal side, we talk about good things, we talk about bad things, we talk about fun things. So we talk about things like red flags. How do you know when you are in a relationship that you ought to leave or you ought to be leery of? Um, We talk about things like divorce. Is it a cultural epidemic? You notice that in the United States, for example, there's some numbers that would say the divorce rate is 50% of all marriages. Mm -hmm. If you look at Japan and India, they're single-digit divorce rates. So is there something about culture that plays into the divorce rate. We talk about on the professional side, what are the secrets of success? I had a speaker who um, is uh, Keith Weich, who happens to be the president and CEO of Cub Foods, and he wrote a book called Good Is Not Enough, and it's aimed at minorities. If you are a woman, if you are a person of color, what are the unwritten rules that you have to understand about being in the corporate world that get you to a point of success. From a spiritual perspective, we talk about all kinds of things. How do you talk to God? How do you meditate? Why should you go to church in this environment? Why does that matter anymore? And um, really, the topics just depend on what's going on in the world at large and what I have seen people struggle with and what I've struggled, questions and issues Mm -hmm. that I've struggled with myself. So you keep mentioning the pronoun we. Uh, so that tells me that you do you invite people on your show to be guests who are authorities in those areas or who can shed light, you know, on the topic. How, how does it work? Or do you, you know, ditch out all of the advice? Oh no, <laughs> I give no advice. Okay, <laughs> I give no advice. So what's, what's the format of your show then? The format is I usually have guests. Okay, and my guests can be, I have an Amazon best-selling author, Barbara Hoffmeister, who calls in from Germany once a month. Mm-hmm. And she, her focus is on helping people achieve their dreams and their goals. How do you get from the place where, you know, you're sort of living life day by day without objective, without goal, to a point where you're living the life of your dreams? I have different speakers who come in. I have had pastors I have had CEOs, I've had presidents of organizations, founders, and I've also had everyday people who come and they just talk about their experiences. So normally I like guests. I've had people who have called in and provided their input. The um, One of the things that I stress is everyday people, everyday lives. You don't have to be a celebrity to be on the show because all of us have lived and all of us have a story to tell and all of us have experiences that we can share. So I've had, you know, authors to everyday people. Mm-hmm. So what, what really got you into this? God. Blocking and, and talking about <laughs> issues in the community. I have always known that there was a purpose that I was supposed to fulfill. Other than being a lawyer? Other than being, <laughs> yes. Other than being a lawyer, I knew there was something that I was supposed to contribute. And I, for years, I wasn't sure what it was, but I, I figured, you know, if I if I kept to uh, my meditation, kept my ear to the ground, that sooner or later, uh, my father would let me know what that was. And mm-hmm. one day it just happened, and I had a fr- I was talking to a friend of mine, and he said, you know, 
you really ought to start a conversation because you have very unique viewpoints and uh, you read, you know, I read my Bible all the time. I call it my life manual and you have a very different take. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, I'm not preaching. I'm not a minister. I'm not interested in anything like that. And he said, well, why don't you do an audio blog? And I said, well, what is that? And uh, he shared that with me, and I thought, ooh, that's a good idea. And, and, and I just, in my soul, in my spirit, I just knew that this is something that I was supposed to do. So do, do you think your, your, your educational background at all helped you prepared for this, this blog right now that you're doing? I think all of my life experiences mm-hmm. did. Because in my educational background, I've been practicing law for, this is my 19th year. And, and you look uh, 19 years old. <laughs> How is that possible? Thank you. <laughs> I was so young when I okay, started. That's the secret. That was a whole other issue right. because it's hard to get clients when you look 16. Yes. But um, I, I did divorce and family law and juvenile mm. and criminal work for the first five years of my career. And I've seen so a lot of things. Lot. Oh, right, yes. Right. I've seen a lot of things. I've seen a lot of um problems, I've seen a lot of pain, I've seen a lot of issues, I've seen a lot of triumphs. So all of that has helped. And in my own personal experience, you know, I've got two beautiful children and uh, I'm divorced. So I know what it's like to be happy and single. I mm-hmm. know what it's like to be happy and married. I know what it's like to be unhappy and all of those things. You, you know what it's like to be an educated black woman? I know what it's like to be an educated All black right. woman, yes. Now, on your Facebook page, I didn't get a chance to read this posting, but um, the Americans are doing healthier, wholesome things this Valentine's Day. What are your plans? So the topic of this uh, uh, um, uh, article is healthier relationship trends predicted this Valentine's Day. Is that true? I don't know. Oh, you just reposted. <laughs> Well, you know, it was an article okay. that said that instead of, you know, focusing on food and candy and mm-hmm. chocolate, that couples are, are doing more wholesome things. They are going to movies together. They are going to cooking classes together. They are engaging in activities that tend to promote a healthier lifestyle. Taking yoga to get. Yeah, things like that. And so I thought, well, isn't that an interesting thing? Because if you're a guy, you know, this is what I've heard from my male friends, that Valentine's Day is stressful. Very. It's stressful because you're sitting there thinking, okay, you know, she says she doesn't care, but I know she does. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I have to do something interesting and magical, Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's going to remind her that I really care because even though she should know, um, a lot of women equate what happens on Valentine's Day to how much is my man thinking about me? How much is he caring? How much is he, you know? And so I just thought that was an interesting thing, and certainly it provides some ideas to the guy who's wondering what to do. Okay. So then my question to you is, and this is, I just want you to be personal. You're not speaking for all the women, so be free. <laughs> Why does some women, or most women, place such a high value on what you do on Valentine's as to it relates to your love for them? I think it's cultural. It's cultural. I think it's cultural. I think we have been acclimated to believe that there are certain events in life that have significance and they mean something about the rest of whatever that situation is. Uh, Engagements, how big is the ring, what does it look like, 
it somehow it equates to how much does this man love me? And so you show your ring to all your girlfriends, and they place a value on it. And they infer that if it's not a big ring, then either he doesn't have money or, you know, he doesn't love you as much or this was just kind of a throwaway. And I think Valentine's Day is the same. We have been acculturated, particularly in the United States, to believe that Valentine's Day is somehow this magical day. Never mind what he's done the rest of the year, right? Um, Every day, because I have a significant other. And I said to him, we thought we were. We thought he was going to be out of town over this coming week, and mm-hmm. I said, you know what? It's okay if we don't do anything because he makes every day Valentine's Day for me. He shows me how much he loves me every day. But I think we have just gotten to a point in our culture where we we tend to believe that what happens on Valentine's Day is sort of iconic of how much does he love me and how much does he really care. Do you do you see a shift? in that particular paradigm where women are saying that if I am appreciated and loved every day, what does Valentine really matter in terms of gifts? You, you, are you finding women that are more like yourself, they're saying, you know what, if I can get it every day, that one day doesn't define his love for me? Well, I'll answer this in two ways. Uh-huh. Birds of a feather flock together, right? So if I have a tendency to think that way, then I have a certain value system. Mm-hmm. And I tend to surround myself with other women who have similar values. Who, who are not actually you in the 15. What did you get? <laughs> you yeah, know? they don't do that, right. right? Because what they're focused on is he loves me. So my best friend, her name is Bridget. She's been married for, I don't know, five, seven years. And she has a wonderful husband. Mm-hmm. They have a wonderful relationship. So for her, you know, she's not calling me on Valentine's Day to find out what we did, because it's just one other day, just like on her birthday. Her family treats her very well. And, you know, my single friends, they tend to value the relationship. So it's not about what happened on this one day. But I do know that there are other women out there who place such a great value on what happens that day. And if that day is ruined because the dinner wasn't big enough or the flowers (laughs) weren't big enough, then, you know, Valentine's Day is ruined and he doesn't really love me and on and on and on. So I think you still have the gamut right. of, of, of everything from I don't really want, worry about Valentine's Day or in my household we don't really celebrate it for personal, religious, whatever reasons we've just agreed to exchange cards to, oh, boy, he better do something really big for me. Hmm. Interesting. So um, your blog, what the Speedway Show, how often is that uh, air or listened to? There is a new show every Sunday. Every Sunday. Sometimes the shows are live. Sometimes they're pre-recorded. Every Sunday what time? Well, usually when I started it, it was every Sunday at 8 p.m. What I found, however. So were were you competing with Desperate Housewives? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> I just happened to choose that time because it was convenient for me. Okay. And uh, it was the one time that I could guarantee that every Sunday at 8 p.m. the kids are going to be in bed and um, I'm going to be available and able to do the show. What I found, though, was that most people did not listen to the show on Sunday at 8 p.m. They listened to it at their convenience. So all the shows are posted on the website. Mm-hmm. 
and people can go and they can listen on demand. So you just go to the website, you pick a topic, and you press play. Mm -hmm. And so then I thought, well, maybe the 8 o'clock on Sunday doesn't really matter. So this year I'm playing a little bit with the timing. With the timing. And uh, so my next show airs that uh, it's a live show. It's tomorrow at 4 p.m. All right, so we'll pause for news when we get back. We'll talk about uh, what's on the headlines of your website right now is live well, live fully, love deeply. Yeah. We'll talk about it when we get back. <laughs> Interesting. Good morning. Here's a full bulletin of African news read by Al Jerome Chetty. South Africa's African National Congress youth leader Julius Malema has lost an appeal against the decision by South Africa's ruling party to suspend him. He was suspended from the African National Congress, the ANC, for five years for sowing division in the party. The charge has been upheld, but Mr. Malema is to be heard in 14, time, 14 days' time over the length of his suspension. Once a close ally of President Jacob Zuma, Mr. Malema now accuses him of ignoring poor South Africans who voted him into power in 2009. Mr. Malema's appeal before the party's disciplinary appeal panel was largely based on the claim that the committee did not give him the opportunity to argue about the sentence at the end of the disciplinary process. A group of Chinese workers kidnapped by rebels in Sudan has been freed and flown to Kenya. The construction workers were released to the International Committee of the Red Cross on Tuesday, 11 days after they were abducted. They had been held in Sudan's restive border state of South Kotofan. A Red Cross plane flew from Nairobi, where they are to be taken to the Chinese embassy. Sudan's foreign ministry spokesman Alobit Morawa told the British Broadcasting Corporation, the BBC, that as far as he was aware, 29 Chinese nationals were on the flight and were all in good health. The Red Cross plane took off from a small airstrip in the South Kotofan town of Kadua. The road construction workers were taken captive when rebels from the Sudan People's Liberation Movement, SPLM, stormed their camp on January 28 this year. Another 18 people fled the scene, of whom 17 were later found safely. One man was killed during the attack. His body was earlier handed over to the Chinese embassy in Khartoum. In Kaduna, Nigeria, a man in military uniform has blown himself up outside an army barracks. An army spokesman said soldiers shot the man, but he still detonated a bomb in the car he was driving. Emergency workers say there has been a blast at an Air Force base in the city, while residents report a third explosion near a bridge. Islamist militants have recently killed hundreds in northern Nigeria. Recently, there were also exchanges of gunfire between security forces and suspected militants in Kano, another northern state. The blast at the barracks occurred at the base of 1st Mechanized Division of the Nigerian Army in Kaduna. Army spokesman General Rafael Isaid said the suicide bomber was the only casualty. But a military source told the British Broadcasting Corporation that he saw the dead bodies of five soldiers and a BBC reporter in Kaduna said he has seen three ambulances leaving the barracks for the local hospital. Boko Haram is waging an insurgency in the region to try and overthrow the national government and establish an Islamic state. 
Uganda's government has defended its right to debate an anti-gay bill, but it says the draft legislation does not have official backing. Parliamentarian David Bahati this week retabled his bill after he was shelved following an international outcry. The bill calls for life in prison for homosexual offenses, but Mr. Bahati says the death penalty will be dropped. The government urged foreign leaders to realize that cultural attitudes in Africa were very different. Homosexual acts are already illegal in Uganda, a largely conservative society where many condemn homosexuality. And finally, former Liberian rebel leader George Bully is to be deported from the United States over his role in the country's civil war in the 1990s. A U.S. judge said evidence that the ex-Liberian Peace Council leader had been involved in killings and recruited children was ground for his removal. Mr. Bully, who has been in custody for two years, denies the accusations. Around a quarter of a million people died during Liberia's 1989-2003 conflict. The BBC Jonathan P. Lele in the Liberian capital Monrovia says at the height of the civil war, there were seven armed groups fighting and LPC was one of the largest. In 1995, Mr. Bole joined other warlords, including Charles Taylor, to lead an interim government. After presidential elections in 1997, the conflict resumed. U.S. immigration officials said it was the first time the use of child soldiers had been used as a ground for removal from the United States. The case was brought by the United States Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, which is said was evidence from Liberia's Truth and Reconciliation Commission that Mr. Rebel, Mr. George Bowley, rather, rebel group had burned dozens of captives accused of witchcraft in 1994. That would do it for news and details. I'm back at the top of the hour with headlines. My name is Al Jerome Cherry reporting. FM 89.9 KMOJ. We are the People's Station. This is the program, The African Roots Connection. My name is Charles Dennis, and we're here every Saturday from 9 to 10. We also stream live at www.kmojfm.com.
black man where is your country <laughs> he said look in Africa where we belong and our guest on the program this morning is uh, the daughter of the great land of the Victoria Falls love that Zimbabwe the home of, uh, I wouldn't say the great. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't say Robert Mugabe. All right, well, Speedway, thanks for being on the program this morning. And like I said before, we took a news break. that We're going to talk about this whole thing on your blog again. Um, this live well, live fully, love deeply. Is it possible to do all three? I think so. All right. Sure. I think that we, um, you know, we as human beings, I think, strive to do just that, right? And so the question is, at the end of my life, how do I live in such a way that I have no regrets? I'm not feeling like I did not love the people around me enough. I did not speak well of those that I should have spoken well of. And I did not live to my fullest potential. So how do I do that? And I think that we are able to do it, but it has to be intentional. And we have to make the effort to live an intentional life that we can get to the end of and not feel regretful. Really? Yes, really. I, I think I've, Okay, so people listening would probably say, um, I mean, to live fully is relative. You know, to live fully. Uh, you know, for me, my definition of living fully is to eat cassava every day. You know, that's that's my fullness. And your your fullness is to to get the PhD you, that your parents. I mean, so to to to. I don't know if we can really do that though. I think fullness. I think you're right. Fullness is a subjective thing, right? But whatever your definition of living fully is. I think you will find that there are most people, if you ask them, do you live every day that way? Mm -hmm. The answer is probably going to be no. 
I have some days where I'm just dragging through the day. I'm in a bad mood or something happens and I'm just not feeling like I'm living to my fullest potential. So how do you do that intentionally? So if my idea of living fully is expressing my love to my children, then am I doing that every day? Do I tell them I love them every day? Do I treat them like I love them every day? That's my challenge. And you have to be intentional about it. Mm -hmm. If your idea of living fully is I have to eat cassava every day, then somebody's got to cook. <laughs> so you, uh, you, 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 you create your definition and you live it to the extent of which, to the extent of your definition. Those parameters you said, whatever, like you said, if living fully for me is to really you know, devote my time to my kids, then you need to do that intentionally. Yes. Because success is not the difference between what you did and what somebody else thinks that you did. Success is the difference between what you did mm -hmm. and what you could have done. Okay. So to a, to a little girl out of Africa who was surrounded by PhDs, is she successful now? Is she living well? Or until she gets the PhD, I, you know, it wasn't about the Ph.D. Mm -hmm. It was about the attitude that gets you to the Ph.D., well right? Okay. Because if what I'm doing is I'm exhibiting the same values that I saw my parents live out, mm -hmm. if I am working hard, if I am doing my best at my relationships, then the results are going to come, right? So the result is the law degree. The result is being uh, a Minnesota um, super lawyer. The result is being on the moot court. The results come from the fruit. Those are the fruits of the labor. Okay. But if I just focus mm -hmm. on what is the labor, what is it that I'm called to do every day, then I don't need to worry about the results. Mm -hmm. So... Um being being one of the top lawyers in Minnesota and hosting this blog show every week, what time do you have to really sit and, and research or think about topics? Well, it takes a lot of organization, I have to tell you. And a little time for romance because you have someone in your life. So uh, with yeah. kids, too, I mean, why? Wow, the list goes on and on. <laughs> My typical day starts at 4 a.m. And uh, okay. <laughs> I see you're making faces. <laughs> I get up at 4 and uh, on most days, and I'm in bed by 9 on most days. And uh, But see, 9 to 4, that's 7 hours. Yeah. And uh, I get up and I do my meditation and start, with the, start the day off with my father. And we sit down and we have a conversation or I try to listen. Your father is in God? Yes, okay. my heavenly father. Okay. And uh, that kind of sets the tone for my day. Mm-hmm. And uh, on some days, I try three days a week, I go work out. So usually that takes me up to about 5.30. And then my real day begins. And I try to organize it in such a way that I am present at every stage. Mm -hmm. Because if I, when I'm at work in the, whatever, eight to ten hours a day that I'm in the office, if I really focus on the work, and I really focus just on what I'm supposed to do there, then when I leave work, uh -huh. now I can really focus on the kids if the kids are home, 
or I can really focus on the show on the weekend if um, that's what I'm doing. So if I'm if I'm present at every one of those stages, then I can make the time. So be, work. being present in the moment, giving it your all, is what is what really really matters at the end of the day. Yeah, I I, I sink or swim, <laughs> depending on how well I'm present at at at, at each moment. I was um. I was listening to the news, uh, I think it was last week, uh, a few weeks ago, and they were talking about how more and more females in particular are thinking less of marriage and very comfortable with being single and being professionally successful. Again, as a blogger who talks about things like those, yes, I'd like to get your opinion on that. Why is it that people now in America are being okay with being single, you know, actually being happy. I'm single. I've got a great career, and that's fine. I don't have to be married. Marriage is overrated. It's not a big deal anyway. Well, having been married and having been single and having been divorced, single after marriage, um, what I can tell you is that I think one of the things that's true in the United States in particular is that women have so many options that in other countries or in other cultures they may not have. So, for example, when I did the show on culture and the impact that it has on the divorce rate, one of the things that I learned is that in countries where the divorce rate is low, it's not necessarily because everybody's happy. It is sometimes because the women are so dependent on the men for financial security that they don't really have an option other than to stay married. And as a culture, we are raised just like in my house. I was raised, you go to school, you go to college, you get a job, then you get married. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was the sequence of things. And then you have kids. Well, in a lot of cultures, they are raised to focus on how do you become the kind of woman who is going to serve her husband because you're expected to have one. And I think because of that, in the United States, you've got women who like me, may have been married and said, you know, that was not the be-all and the end-all of who I am. Right. And in fact, now that I'm not married, what I found is that happiness comes from within. So I can be married and be happy or unhappy. I can be single and be happy or unhappy. And happiness is a choice. Joy is a choice. Mm-hmm. And I think you've got more women who are finding out that actually joy is something and happiness is something that you can get exactly where you are. You don't have to be married in order to be happy. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be married in order to be accepted in society as a whole human being. And so I think there are women who are saying, you know what, I think I'm going to take that choice because actually I'm single and it's a whole lot easier in some ways to be single than it is to be married. Mm-hmm. You you talk about your connection with God, and and I know that God loves us all. Yes. He made everyone. Um, but yet and still we have our community and our news consistently plagued by gay rights who want to be married. How do we... Um, say God loved them, but we deny them, and some of us even despise them because they want to get married. What is your opinion on that? Should we let them do what they have to do, and then it's judgment day that they have to answer to God, or we impose our judgment and say, no, you can't get married because marriage is defined as between a man and a woman? Wow, boy, is that a loaded question. 
Well, let's see. I hope your pastor is not listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my pastor has opinions about that, too. Okay. But uh, here's, here's what I, I'll start by saying this. One of the things that is probably different about the Speedway Show is that it relies on what I call the life manual. And the reason I call it a life manual is because, as you said, God created us all. He loves us all. And depending on your religious persuasion, your life manual is going to be something different. So mm-hmm. for me, it's the Christian Bible, right. the Protestant Bible. Um, for Catholics, it's the Catholic Bible. For Hindus, it's the Bhagavad Gita. Or And then, you know, I've talked to, I've had a, a gentleman who was Jewish on my show, and he Torah. talked about the, the Tanakh and the Torah and what that meant. So different people come from different persuasions. But here's the thing that's true of every life manual. The underlying values about how we are supposed to live are the same, right? And my Bible says at the end of the day, there are lots of rules and there are ten commandments. And in the, uh, in the Hebrew Bible, there are many more than that. But the bottom line is when Jesus was asked, so what is it that we can say are the most important? He said two things. Love God with all your heart, all your mind and all you saw, and love your neighbor as yourself. So at the end of the day, we as human beings are called to love one another, right? And somewhere in my Bible, God also said, vengeance is mine. Mm-hmm. It is not to us to judge the heart of another. Because I will never know, if I were sitting with you and you said to me, Spiwe, I'm gay. I have no idea why how that came about, what that means in your life, how you have struggled with that, what your relationship is with God. I am not in a position to judge that. Just like if I said to you, Charles, I am an alcoholic. You are not in a position to say why that is. Maybe my dad was an alcoholic. Maybe I was abused. Maybe I was molested. Maybe, you know, there are things that are going on within me that another person cannot understand. And I think that's why God says, leave it to me because only he knows the heart of a person. So when it comes to the question of being gay, not being gay, do you get married? Do they, do, do gays and lesbians have the right to get married? Mm-hmm. There is the, there's the personal aspect. And my personal view is I'm called to love every human being regardless of their sexual persuasion or their religious persuasion or whatever else might be going on with them. But the question of gay marriage as a lawyer means something very different to me because what you know is that when you are married, there are certain rights that the law confers upon you as a married couple that you don't get when you are gay. So I don't believe, and I've represented, when I told you I did divorce work for five mm-hmm. years, I represented a woman who was gay. And what I learned from that experience is it's very difficult to separate assets if you have been in a gay relationship and you're in a, in a state that doesn't recognize right. gay marriage, right. right? So what happens to the child that they adopted What happens to the house that they bought together? What happens to the bank accounts and the assets? If one of them gets sick and the hospital says, 
the only people who can come in are people who are family and next of kin, and you have a romantic relationship that's not recognized, Mm -hmm. then there are certain legal rights that you don't have. So I think part of the issue isn't just about we love each other and, you know, we want to be together. I think there's a very real legal issue that says we want to have conferred upon this relationship the same rights and responsibilities that are conferred on marriage. So would you say you're happy now? Oh, I'm happy. You're happy. Uh, do you intend to get married sometime? I, yes, I do. Okay. So <laughs> so then, then, then being married, uh, again, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't define your happiness. No. No. Because you know, I suspect that if I wasn't happy, nobody'd want to marry me. <laughs> okay. So so then so then it, the next question is then why 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 do you want to get married? You know, things are okay, you're happy, everything's fine, you're in love. Why get married? Why you know waste a couple of bucks on on reception or go through, you know why? I'm speaking about this personally. This is my own personal oh, opinion, yeah. right? So, marriage confers certain rights. Right. I don't believe in living with my beloved before marriage. That's just my personal, I don't judge it, but that's just mm-hmm. my personal right. opinion. So if I'm with someone that I would want to be around all the time, then for me, that means we get married. I, you know, in, in my life manual, um, God really advocates being celibate for all kinds of reasons until you get married. And so if what I want is I want to have, you know, mm-hmm. the unfettered ability right. to, to fulfill those desires, then I need to be married. Okay. So there are certain things. And also, you know, marriage for me says I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I am willing to bind myself legally to this human being. And we are going to live our lives out together. We are going to have um, children. Because within the context of marriage, then they always have a secure foundation. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, no matter how much we have come ahead and no matter how independently we think and no matter how high the divorce rate is, the studies still say that children who are in married homes with original mom and original dad still do better than kids who come from homes where they're divorced or even kids who are in blended families. So there are all kinds of benefits that marriage confers that I like. Okay. Um, again, my guest today is uh, Spirit Pierce. Yes. <laughs> One of our top lawyers here in the United States, in Minnesota, super <laughs> lawyer. <laughs> and she also has a blog where she talks about all issues, love, sex, relationship, culture, health. Yes. Okay. And she's very happy. Yes. She can marry one day, you know, and, uh, you know, live ever, happily ever after. Yes. Um, very educated. <laughs> uh, but as we talk about all these things, you know, there, there's this part of our culture where, again, I come back to uh, women, single mom who are struggling and making it. But yet instead, there's, there are these morals that exist in somebody's life manual that we try to impose on other people and looking down upon or people who are not married but have kids, and also single moms who have this pressure on them, like, I'm doing this all by myself, I should be sharing it with someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, from a from a position of strength, what do you say to that? That's your final word on the show today. I say 
that the source of your happiness, source of my happiness, quite honestly, is my spiritual relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And we are best, at our best, when we find happiness in the place where we are. I don't consider myself, quite honestly, I don't consider myself a single parent. I consider myself a co-parent because my uh, ex-husband has the kids the other half of the time. And I consider that a phenomenal success for us because we were able to, despite the fact that our marriage did not work out, we were able to carve out the best possible alternative situation for the kids. I'm very happy about that. And I think that as a human being, as a single mom, Uh, For the single moms out there, you need to be first happy in the place where you are because what you reflect is what you attract. So if you're feeling like you're dysfunctional, if you're feeling like things are not working well, if you're feeling like life is not what it ought to be, then you're not going to be able to attract the best situation for you. And so first, that's what we have to focus on. I have to be well. I have to be whole. And what I find is what tends to attract people to me, whole people, well people, is my own wholeness and wellness. And my source for that is my father. Your father. So that's what I suggest. First, find happiness where you are. All right, so so, uh, give us um, your website again and times where people can listen in on your programs. I know you said that's an archive of programs that people can go and listen to. But uh, just tell us, tell us about your website again. Yes, it is www.thespiewayshow.com. Spiewe is S-P-I-W-E. You can also find the Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash Show. And I actually also have a Twitter account, so you can follow me. And the handle is The Spiewe Show. And um, it is, you can go onto that website and see any of the shows that we have done at any time. And then on Sundays, you're going to be able to catch a new show. Sometimes they are available earlier in the day if they're pre-recorded. Tomorrow in particular, you can call in at 4 p.m. And, Central um, time. 4 p.m. Central time, mm-hmm. that's right. And uh, you can actually call in just to listen, or you can call in to join in the conversation. And what, what's the topic tomorrow? The topic tomorrow is going to be when the sexes behave badly. Oh my so god. So men misbehave, right. women misbehave. Who misbehaves more and can we lay the blame on the feet of one particular gender? I will be listening. I want to thank you for your time this morning on the program. Thank you for okay. having me. <laughs> nice to have you. Thank you for joining us for this morning's program, the African Roots Connection. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KMOJ, its staff, management or board of directors.